Today is July 23rd, 2016, coming to you live from Crest Hill, Illinois, home of Statesville Correctional Center. This is the Hillcrest Duo, episode 39. I am your host, Metal John, at Metal John Radio on Twitter. Along with me, the pure snob himself, I'm Brad, Brad Risto. Brad Risto, at Outsider Brad on Twitter. Follow me, I say things. All right, on today's episode of the Hillcrest Duo, we're going to review Ghostbusters, spoilers, we're also going to catch up on the first few episodes of Mr. Robot. We're Mr. going to talk about the new Robert. Netflix original series, Stranger Things. I love it. Uh, no big spoilers on that, though. We're both only a few episodes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also, Comic-Con San Diego 2016 is currently underway as we tape this. Everything from Friday. We've got a couple little updates. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that later on in the show as well. But it's been a few weeks. How you yes, doing, Brad? I'm good. I'm a. Last time we talked, I'm a Pokemon Go had just launched, and I've been continuing to play it, and I still love it. And you gave me the cell. You yes. told me how it works. Yes. I downloaded it. I'm playing. It's, I'm level 12. It's Boom. An, it's an addict. Oh, you're level 12. That means you picked a team. What team are you on? Yellow. Screw you, blue team. Team Mystic, we're the best, better than all the other teams, better than yours. I didn't do any research on what team I should take. I just saw the three options, and mm-hmm. green is normally my favorite color, but I decided to just yeah, Because it yellow. was blue, yellow, yellow. and, and um, uh, red, and you went with yellow. Yellow. And unfortunately, um, uh, when you look at um, uh, the statistics, that's the team that is least picked. Oh, really? Well, no hey, one loves you. I'd like know. to be an outsider. No one loves you. No one loves Team Instinct. Uh, I did have an egg that hatched to Pikachu. That's awesome. My The best egg I had um, uh, hatched into Voltorb. Really? Yes, that's the best one I've had so far, but I haven't been... Uh, I, I don't work in downtown Chicago where there's all sorts of good Pokemon running around. Yeah. Well, I was in San Francisco for a few days last week, mm-hmm. and I went to Pier 39, which is like the famous pier on the bay. It's where the sea lions hang out. Uh, there was none there. There, it's mating season. Right. Um, actually, there was one there. Oh. There was one there. I was like, oh, hey, you're not mating. I'm not mating. Hey, what's up, buddy? We're just hanging out. There's two guys not mating. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, um, walking around the pier, there's a lot of tourist stuff there. There's like. Five checkpoints on the pier itself. Yeah. So everybody all night just walking in circles playing Pokemon. People in like little groups, and I'm all by myself. Like, yeah, I'm playing too, but dork. I'm by myself. <laughs> You're a dork. I'm but dork. Uh, yeah, I, I I got a lot of sea creatures when I was in San Francisco. I, I I was so excited this morning. I caught a magic carp, which if you don't know, evolves into Gyarados. I'm like, oh god, I just need to catch up probably a few more, and I can evolve it into Gyarados. Four hundred candy to evolve it Ooh. 400 that's a lot of candy yeah well and it's you the know, first I, one i saw so that ain't gonna happen I'm, I'm still i'm not an og pokemon guy i'm new i'm new school so oh, a I lot put, of these a lot of these people a lot of these names a lot of these pokemon i don't know obviously after playing it for a few weeks i understand which ones suck and which ones you get a lot of yes and you know god damn like, pidgeys oh pidgeys there's a, a there's a parody Pidgeys account on Twitter that basically just cusses you out. If you tweet something negative about Pidgeys, he will reply to you and cuss you out. Oh, I'm gonna. <laughs> oh, jeez, I have to fi- find him and then cuss him out because Pidgeys are utterly useless. All right, but anyways, um, so uh, last night I saw Lights Out, the new horror movie about. Uh, Staying out of the dark or Mm -hmm. being scared of the dark. It's a very short movie, like an hour and 20 minutes long. It's like a PG-13, quick, 
quick scare horror movies, nothing like too big budget, very, mm-hmm. very simple. It was very enjoyable. It's probably not a movie I'm going to like watch several times. Uh, however, because I'm an honest person and I pride myself on my honesty, Brad, yeah. I'm going to admit I jumped once. <gasps> they got jump they got points. You. It's it's a very big challenge for a movie to get me to jump. It's very rare that I jump because normally I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Mm-hmm. I know it's coming. This one, I knew it was coming, but I thought what was going to be the jump scare was going to happen from a certain direction, mm-hmm. and it came out of another direction. And Ooh. I can't really explain it without giving spoilers, but I will just say there was a part that got me to jump, so I'll give them some bonus points for getting me to jump. But speaking of movies and ghosts, we both saw Ghostbusters. Yes. And uh, full spoilers warning, we are going to spoil the hell out of this movie, mm-hmm. even though really there's nothing to spoil. No, it's been <laughs> out for a week, uh, two weeks now, and yeah. so if you haven't seen it, you probably won't see it, because there are a large contingent of people that refuse to see it. And, you know, we talked on this podcast several times about this movie since trailers first came out. And even last week, or last episode, episode 38, we kind of set, like, what we thought the movie was going to be like. Mm-hmm. And really, it was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's a middle-of-the-road comedy. If this um, movie had came out in a vacuum in a world where the original didn't exist, it'd be an above-average comedy if it was in a world where the original didn't exist. It's overly... um. Uh, general lowbrow humor unlike the original one which was more dialogue heavy the best way i can think to describe the difference between the two is when the two of the main characters get slimed in the original you don't actually see vankman get slimed you hear it what's happening to him and then you just see the aftermath his reaction and this one it slimed me (laughs) yeah you just hear he he slimed me and this one you actually see the person get slimed and the gag is watching them get slimed. Because after um, uh, Kristen Wiig's character gets slimed, they just run straight outside. And that's it. Because the funny part in this movie is watching her get slimed for, what was it, like three to five seconds as she gets um, projectile slimed at? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, another thing I could say is a difference from this. And, and, you know, maybe I'm a little wrong on this, but I felt like the original Ghostbusters movie was not meant to be a hysterical comedy. It was, you know, it was funny, but I don't know if I would ever classify that movie as a comedy because I don't feel like it tried to be a comedy, but it was a comedy based on the actors and the dialogue and, and just the memorable quotes. And and it's, you know, to me, it's just more of kind of like a, like a, like a comedy sci-fi movie. That's not trying to be Ace Ventura. It's not trying to be something really funny where this movie they wanted to go for the slapstick humor. Well, it's a more general sense of comedy. It's wide to appeal to everyone. The original Ghostbusters was about comedic timing and dialogue. It's a more erudite, more highbrow yep. version. This is lowbrow, more um, acceptable to the general masses stuff. Yep. Both, both funny. Both can be very, very funny and very enjoyable. Mm. This one is not as long-lasting. The original Ghostbusters is like a creme brulee. You get that every now and then when you're lucky. Now, Brad, this is are like you like a bowl of ice cream? All right, I'm just going to cut to the chase. I absolutely hated this movie. I hated it. Now, I, I there were some very big pacing issues because I actually enjoyed the first act. There were parts where I was actually laughing. I, they weren't laughs I was happy about because I'm like, this is stupid comedy. I'm better than this. I don't. I shouldn't be laughing. But and I, if I saw it again, I probably wouldn't laugh. 
But the pacing, as it goes on, the first act is somewhat enjoyable as everything comes together. The second act gets worse. And then the third act, especially the last final fight scenes, the particle effects in that where they were doing the fight scene were horrible. I thought some of the effects were better in the original movie than in this movie. Uh, No, I I agree on the effect side. You know, it's just an overall, like, the storyline. And I'm not hating the movie because it's a remake. What I, no. what I can appreciate about this movie is that this movie really didn't try to connect to the first one. It was, or to the original. It was just like, look, we're, we're remaking the movie, but we're going to do something completely different with yes. it. And, and I think what, I was really hoping that they would stick with that, but, but I feel like the cameos, and I feel like putting Bill Slimer. Murray's was horrible. By and the I way. feel like putting Slimer in the movie connects it to it, so it gives people the right to trash it even more because you are connecting it to the originals by using the original well, even, characters. Well, even more so. And I don't know if you stayed for the very, very, very last scene post um, credits. Oh, I did not see that one. Okay. Well, once away, giving away full spoilers. Yeah. They're all in the new firehouse. Leslie Jones' character um, takes off her headphones and asks. Who or what is Zool? And then that's how the movie finally ends. Ah. Asking about Zool. So, and if you've read any articles on IGN, Paul Feige is I'm a 100% sad that there's a possibility that that could connect both movies together, that there will be an interdimensional rift, blah, 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 blah. Jumbo uh, fake science. I hope science. not. I, I just really don't even want them to do another one. But I will say I actually enjoyed the um, chemistry between Wig, McCarthy, McKinnon, and Jones. I thought that they were very good together. One problem I did have with this was they said they wanted this to be a, a story about the friendship between uh, Wig's character and McCarthy's character. And obviously, the um, big end of the movie is Wiggs um, jumps into a portal to try and save McCarthy. The only problem is their differences were um, uh, corrected within the first 15 minutes. There was no more tension between them from that point on. If they had had like points of tension as their um, friendship grew back throughout the entire movie, that would have been more powerful. But it was just like, she's going to save her. Okay, that's fine. But they were trying to do it as this big thing, like, I'm always going to be there for you now. When I had, until they um, did that and mentioned that line, I had forgotten that they were at odds at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, same. I didn't even really believe that they were scientists. <laughs> I well, really didn't I even get, okay. I didn't even, I didn't even, I, that was the first problem. I mean, and the running jokes in this movie just really annoyed the hell out of me, especially with the Chinese food. Yeah, well, I really. I will say one thing. You have these um, uh, paranormal scientists that are trying to study the um, uh, uh, prove the existence of ghosts, but they have no idea about the history of haunted spots in New York City. I mean, that was one of the things that was great about um, uh, Dan Aykroyd's character in the original was the fact that the, he was this walking encyclopedia of haunted um, happenings in New York City, as they didn't get that person until Leslie Jones' characters joins the team as the unofficial historian. You'd think that at least one of them would know about the um, uh, psychokinetic happenings in New York City and know, like, when they um, mentioned the big house at the beginning of the movie, that's one of the most haunted places in New York City. They didn't even know that at all. And that was one of the problems I had, yes. These are um, ostensibly professional paranormal investigators, and they don't know about the haunted buildings in New York City, which, quite frankly, does have a lot of supposedly haunted places. Yeah. Man, it just... 
I but was, no, there were some fun, goofy. I moments. was very, uh, you know, I'm a hater because I got very turned off in this movie really quick, and and I think it just stuck with me throughout. I went in with an open mind. I wanted to try and enjoy it for what it was, and when you do that, it's an enjoyable movie. It's just not on the same level as the original Ghostbusters. I will fully admit that. But on its own, outside of it being, if this was generic comedy A, once again, you'd be like, that was a pretty good generic comedy. I enjoyed that. That'd be the kind where you would um, see it on uh, yeah. on the cable. You might um, stop and watch it for five minutes until you get to what you really want to watch. But because they wanted to channel the Ghostbusters legacy into this, that's what hurt it. Yeah, and I don't really feel like they're doing anything to get new Ghostbuster fans mm-hmm. with this movie. Although, I, there are two things that I want to point out. The two things that almost everyone universally agreed they loved. Chris Hemsworth's performance and Kate McKinnon's performance. I didn't like either. Chris Hemsworth, I just thought, was a one-note joke that got boring after a while. Although some of Agree. the although some of the um, end credit things where um, it looked... You remember um, at the, in the climax where he um, freezes all the... Cops and everyone, it looked like they're going to do a whole big dance number. If you watch the credits, that is exactly what happened. And if they had just done that and done even two minutes, I'm like, okay, that would have been fun. But they didn't, so they save it for the end credits. And Kate McKinnon, while somewhat memorable, what was not really funny. She just kind of came off as quirky. Nothing. Everyone said, everyone's saying, oh, she was hilarious, she was hilarious. I'm like, she just kind of came off as weird to me. Yeah. More, more weird I didn't think funny. any of the girls were funny. I don't even think I laughed once in that movie. And I also uh, didn't think Chris Hemsworth. I thought I, – I give him some credit because he was playing something that he normally doesn't play, mm-hmm. and he was sort of making fun of himself. He was doing a bad accent. He was sort of playing a dumbass. Um, but I, it's just not even believable that you would hire a guy like that. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> a guy that doesn't even know how to use a phone. Two, two more to things. To be a secretary. Okay. Uh, two more things as we um, are closing out. Um, I want to do want to say what my favorite cameo from the original was. Let's just talk about the villain real quick, and that was—that is probably my biggest gripe. Was why is a human a villain in the Ghostbusters movie? Because when it's a supernatural um, issue, I want them to be dealing with something of the supernatural. Because when you apply a human face to it, it's like, oh wow, that's really really scary. Oh wait, he has to put his um, underwear on too. Yes, he's a creepy weird guy, but his whole plan is I'm going to kill myself. Why would the ghost start following him once he's dead? I did laugh at one thing, though, in this movie that really made me laugh and made me feel really bad that I laughed was when they were testing the proton pack and she was up in the air. That was the one part that I found um, uh, that was the funniest part to me. Other than this, and that's the cameo. There were a lot of cameos, and most of them were unmemorable. Bill Maurice, horrible, by the way. Sorry, Bill. But the best one came from Annie Potts, and she was the um, uh, clerk at the hotel but aggrieved, and how does she um, say hello to the Ghostbusters? What do you want? Yeah. Going right back to the original, that was the best part of the movie to me. Agreed. Agreed 100%. Annie Potts, what do you want? Thank you, Annie. And I think it's time we move on to something new-ish, because it's got something strange, and it's retro chic as we move on to the new Netflix original, Stranger Things. Which, as of right now, Stranger Things has been on Netflix for... Less than a week. Yes. And the hype on this show has already been kicked in the I mean, I'm seeing everybody checking in, watching it. I'm seeing people talk about it. I'm hearing people talk about it. Um, and 
I'm only four episodes in. I know you're only about two episodes in. Mm-hmm. We're not going to spoil the show. I don't even really want to get too big into no. details. Spoilers next week. Yeah, but just to set up the concept, so the show is created, written, and directed by the Duffner brothers, who really have done nothing except the 2015 independent movie called Hidden about a family that takes shelter from an outbreak. Right. Um, it's classified as a science fiction show, yes. but it doesn't really, at least early in, it doesn't have that science fiction feel. The whole time I'm watching the show, even through four episodes, I get the Super 8 vibes, this J.J. Abrams vibes. like 80s flashback. I mean, yeah. I, I love And you know you're in an 80s flashback because um, in the first shot, you see 80s, I mean, wooden panel everything. Yeah. Just like old 80s 80s. cars. I mean, the soundtrack. Let's talk about the soundtrack. Let's talk about the soundtrack. The Amazing soundtrack. The synth on the opening credits is awesome. I mean, that's like, that's what we would have heard in the movie theaters. If this were a movie back in the 80s, that's what we would have heard. Yeah. I mean, this music score for the title, even the the font and the way the title comes at you. It, it's just very 80s retro, like almost like like independent horror movie-ish. Yes. And then the music soundtrack. I mean, you got The Clash. The Cl- that's where I just... Um, uh, um, Jefferson I'm, Airplane, Toto, Foreigner. By the I mean, way, the Clash, the 80s music. Just so everyone knows, Clash, my favorite band all time. Oh, wow. Well, the music soundtrack. Yes. Uh, awesome. It is a, it is a, um, a wonderful trip. And right now, all I'm going to say is through an episode and a half, Will is either dead or a girl now. It's one of those two. I've determined. I've determined. That's what I've determined. So uh, the show obviously <laughs> set in the '80s takes place in a fictional town, Hawkins, Indiana, in small a, town. One town. Uh, a young, basically State the concept. Over. The basic concept is this young boy, Will Byron, disappears mm-hmm. um, middle of the night. Uh, his mother, played by Winona Ryder, uh, this kind of makes her go a little crazy. Little. Uh, uh, her, his friends, his best friends from school. They are trying to find them. I mean, it's a combination of, like, The Last Starfighter. You have um, uh, some Goonies in there, E.T., all sorts of great 80s vibes in one tight package. Yeah, and it's very mysterious. There's a lot of, like, okay, so what happened to the kid? Mm -hmm. You know, and then as you go into, like, a few episodes, you learn that there is a secret military base in this town. Well, you kind of saw that. That apparently the sheriff has no idea what's going on there. Yeah. Um, The sheriff played by a guy from the newsroom. Yeah. Also getting these vibes that the kids, that this show is going to be more centered around the kids and the group of kids and their friendship. And obviously these kids, just like in the Goonies, they're going to learn more than the adults know. Oh, goodness gracious. They're going to learn everything before the adults learn. Um, where the sci-fi aspect comes in is where this girl randomly shows up yes. in episode one. Eleven. Who, uh, who is just has no name, has no family, has a tattoo of the number eleven. Um, you start seeing things through her flashback where it looks like she was some sort of genetic created, like Hannah. Have you ever saw the movie yes. Hannah? She's like a Hannah that was like created in a lab and has like superpowers and it's uh and. and we don't really know a whole lot, right. and then and then this random like cocoon thing shows up mm-hmm. as well. So now we're being introduced to a possible alien life form, right? Genetic crazy girl, um, assassin like, and then yes. you've got a missing boy. Yes, uh, <laughs> we don't want to give too much away. So how about we leave it right there? Except to say we cannot recommend this one right enough. If you are an '80s kid, it's got a great '80s vibe. If you have Netflix, do yourself a favor, start watching it. Because next week we will probably have full spoilers. 
on that one as we transition to another show that we really do like, and that is the return of the USA Network original, Mr. Robot. Yeah, uh, as of now, we're through three episodes. The premiere was episode one and two combined, Mm -hmm. um, and then episode three just aired this past week. Elliot is back, and he's even more insane. Yes, he is going. He he's not he's not a sane person. Although, but pretty much that's all we learned through three episodes. Is he's still not sane? As we've been kind of in a holding pattern uh, through the first three. I'm gonna see if I get this right. Disassociatively identity disorder. Disassociative disassociative identity disorder. Yeah. This is all right. I'm not even gonna try again. You got it. Yes, uh, I said the words, and we're all good. He has legitimate mental problems, and obviously we are seeing that more and more and more yeah. in his head. I think the best way to sum up this show for anybody who's never watched it, it's Fight Club, yes. but with computer hackers. Fight Club, Fight Club mixed, mixed with hackers. The two 90s um, brands come together. It's like it's like um, a, a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup of 90s throwback. Um, so we get introduced to this new, a new character. Uh, Ray, played by Craig Robinson, very funny man, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but he's not really playing a comedy role. He's sort of being, uh, sort of mysterious. And then, and then we learned here this past week that, um, he is trying to recruit a hacker to help him with a, a Bitcoin hack. And, uh, no the first knows. hacker doesn't go over so well. We see him beaten to a pulse pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Craig Robinson barking orders at him to, to reverse you know, and put the site back online. Um, there's always with this show, there's always going to be theories out there because we know Mr. Yes. Robot is not real, that he's in Elliot's head. Yes. So now instantly people think is Ray real. And who knows? That's, I mean, and, and you know, Elliot is so passive on people, like especially when he first meets Craig Robbins or Ray, I should say. When he first meets him, he doesn't even want to talk to him. I don't want right. to be your friend. I don't want to talk. He, and I think that that's his initial reaction to anybody he encounters because he doesn't know who's real and who's not real right uh, you know what i said we would talk about this next week there it, there's obviously a fan theory since you mentioned it there's a fan theory that none of anything that happened has actually happened and everything that we've seen in this series is just basically happening in elliot's head as he's in a mental hospital just kind of festering away wow i mean that's I, mean, I think that's gonna a be stretch fair. that that oh, would yes. be it, but but the fact that Mr. Robot might not only be his, his the only person his he's created, mm-hmm. I I mean there could be other people that are not real. Um, but when I think about F Society, I think yes. I think outside of Mr. Robot, the core of F Society, those are all real people. Yeah, I mean they because we're taking... also seeing their storylines. Right. I mean that we are taking the unreliable narrator in this kind of story here to its extreme. Because right now you cannot trust anything that Elliot says happened because, quite frankly, he's a crazy person. Yeah. And he talks to you. Yes. Talks to me, too. Yes. I mean, you have to remember that there is no way we can really trust anything that he sees or says. He might think it really happened, but it didn't because he doesn't know he's lying either, probably. Yeah. So it looks like this season is going to set up to where Elliot's going to join up with Ray to help him with whatever big mission he has. We don't really necessarily know how bad or good what Ray's motives are or if Ray's real or not. However, Ray did reveal to Elliot that he also talks to a dead person, his mother or no, his wife. It it is such a trippy um, uh, show and it is just fun. And I like that they um, uh, – 
do take it, um, uh, give us credit for trying to, that we understand it and treat us as adults as, yeah. you know, in the premiere where they dropped the three bombs. Yeah. Now another character that is, um, that also introduces Dominique Dom, uh, the mm-hmm. FBI agent, um, who likes to do interesting stuff watching chat rooms. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, she helped Romeo's mom roll a bomb ass joint. <laughs> In episode three, that was interesting. Hey, but but uh, she seems to be uh, smarter than she appears. Of course. Um, and she easily discovers the arcade and looks up at the sign, F Society. So I, it sounds like she's going to be on Elliot's tracks. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that she is not real and this is an alternate thing that Elliot's playing his head where he you know some people are really paranoid yes, feel like somebody's always on to them yes this could be a creation of that where he's like somebody's on to me and this is that person he's created that's on to him oh I yeah. think that that could be a very good possibility but the fact that the fact that he makes no mention of somebody being on to him mm-hmm. kind of debunks that a little bit again I think I think the main core of the F Society group, who two of them have died already. Yes. Uh, this season, we're only three episodes, and it sounds like somebody's out whacking them. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a big question mark. Uh, we don't know who that is, and is it possible that it's Elliot, or that I... it's Mister Robot? Because clearly, Elliot, when he's not on his medication, he's prone to getting up, walking the streets, mm-hmm. and and doing things and he's not aware of it um, that's entirely possible so it is possible that he's out killing members like cleaning up his own tracks there's a lot of directions they can go with this show i mean it's an awesome show it really does mess with your mind yes and the the biggest takeaway of this show is stay off of drugs kids oh goodness stay gracious. off of drugs okay um, we're going to close out this episode obviously with some comic-con stuff yeah a couple of mentions uh i gotta start off with saying Probably the coolest thing happened last night at San Diego Comic-Con. Everybody gathered in Hall H for the premiere of a movie called The Woods from Lionsgate. Ooh. And they were all shocked to learn The Woods was just a cover name. Mm -hmm. The movie that they saw was a sequel to The Blur Witch Project. Ooh. The sequel we all wanted. The sequel that picks up right where the last one ended and... This time, I watched the trailer. It's out. It's online. The trailer looks really cool. They're still doing the found footage thing, but it comes out on September the 9th, 16th, and it's basically Heather's brother is gets a team of people. They go into the woods to try to find out what's going on, what happened to his sister, and they just you know go into the whole Blair Witch uh, uh, core, and the the trailer looks really cool, really creepy. It kind of has that same feel that the Blair Witch Project the original had. So anyways, Hall H was surprised last night. They all got to watch the premiere of the movie last night that was under the secret name The Woods. But it's out now. The trailer's out now. The movie will be released on September the 16th. I'm excited. I That sounds awesome. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, so uh, Comic-Con also announced yesterday there is going to be a Batman and Harley Quinn animated movie in 2017. Cool. Uh, Sega announced they are releasing two new Sonic games. Yes. And Sonic I, Mania and an Untitled game so yes, far. Yes, I, I saw both trailers. Both look good. Sonic Mania is kind of a 2D throwback um, back to the Sega Genesis. And Sonic um, is 2017 is 
them continuing the mediocre storyline that they've been doing, but who knows? Maybe they'll um, throw something on the wall and it'll stick. Uh, DC Animated announced a Batman and Ninja Turtles crossover. I saw that. Oh, and I, can't yeah. wait. I mean, I already I read the comics, but this is, might, is actually going to be a movie. It's going to be. Oh. <laughs> I'm happy. Oh, no. That is going to be that is going to be just truly epic. And it, if they get Tim Conroy to do um uh, the Bruce Wayne and Batman, it'll be even better. Well, and speaking of Tim Conroy, uh, The Killing Joke comes out this week. It's going to be on the in theaters on Monday, July 25th. I have a ticket. I'm going Cinemark Seven Bridges, 7.30 p.m. I will be there, Brad, if you want to go. I might. Uh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, I'm I'm really pumped about seeing that. The premiere was at Comic-Con this uh, and yesterday. And when is it released on uh, home video? Yeah, it'll be released uh, the next day. I believe it's coming out on DVD on the 26th, but in, on the 25th in theaters one night only. Right. Uh, you got to go to Fathom Events if you want to see it. We'll talk about. We'll review that next week on Hillcrest yeah, Duo. Yeah, one way, if I don't see it with you, I'll I'll get it on iTunes and watch it myself. Yeah. One um, way or the other. Outside of that, uh, uh, an update: uh, Making a Murderer is coming back for new episodes. Yeah, and they we say- don't know when. We just know that it's been announced they're going to do mm-hmm. some new episodes. And they say it's going to unequivocally prove that um, uh, Avery is innocent. Wow. We we shall see about that. <laughs> we shall see. Um, and one last thing here before we go: uh, HBO, bunch of new shows just started. I am in love with Vice Principals. It is exactly like Eastbound and Down. It's the funniest show since Eastbound and Down. Danny McBride basically playing the same exact character. For those of you that know me, you know I loved Eastbound and Down. It was like my one of my favorite shows. He does. Um, and it's sort of back with Vice Principals. So I'm pretty happy about that. Anyways, this has been the Hillcrest Duo, episode number 39. I am your host, Metal John, on Twitter, at Metal John Radio. And along with me, as always, Mr. Brad Risto. And Outsider Brad on Twitter. I like all of you. Follow me. Yes. So uh, until next time, we'll try to level up on Pokemon. We got some stuff to keep watching. And uh, next week, we'll talk Killing Joke. Maybe we'll talk about Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Ultimate Edition. Mm -hmm. Get some Mr. Robot. And hopefully by then, we will also finish up Stranger Things so we can see what the conclusion of this season is going to be.